Hello and welcome to this special mini-episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Matthew Carroll has been one of my favorite podcasting buddies, and he came on to, you know, do some kind of primers about the Clone Wars as we were getting ready. He's not been a big Star Wars person, uh, but he kind of made an awesome commitment that he wanted to learn more and kind of explore it more and check out Kenobi. So now we have him on to talk about the first three episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. We'll have all that more after this quick commercial break that we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox. They them pronouns. Hello, I'm Matthew Carroll. <laughs> we should be calling these uh, Matthew Squared because I like when you and I get to yeah. team up on things. We've recently talked about the Orville. We've talked about the boys. Uh, and I have to say, I, I've really enjoyed the fact because you came to me about this. You wanted to get involved with Kenobi. I really enjoyed your perspectives. And I'm just uh, really curious. What are you thinking of the show so far? Yeah, man. Episodes? Thanks for having me back. Uh, we did all those preparatory episodes. So I was glad I was hoping I could hop on in the first few weeks and get get to do an episode about this. We did. It took us a lot, a, a lot of weeks to get those other episodes in. So I'm glad we got to just hop on now. Uh, yeah. Three episodes in. I am loving the show. I think it personally, it's the best thing Star Wars ever has ever done, um, which is like, I know a lot of people are like, what? And it's obviously it's new and everything, but like right. my biggest problem with Star Wars is I don't feel the characters are there. And and I feel mm-hmm. like it relies. And we actually talked a little bit about it on the MCU cast last night where Jeff was like, best thing, like better than Mandalorian. And I was like, yes, thousand times better, because I think it like does not really. Obviously, it relies on some previous canon, but like the feelings I am feeling for Obi-Wan are new and different and they are based on his position and his like you know the the term resist the call is thrown around yeah. in like everything he has a not only is he resisting the call in a really interesting way but he's he resists it for a very valid reason that we all know right. like he failed and like he's like he's the kind of become the underdog failure who's coming back and trying to do the thing and like that is a position that's always someone that's easy to root for. And then you throw in Leia, who I think has brought nothing but amazing life to the show. Like everyone keeps making fun of that scene where she's running from the smugglers. But I think the idea there is like, she's no one expected her to be as spunky as she is. And she like slides down that little hill, dodges under things. I think her character is just nothing but life to me. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I think she's funny. I think she's uh, like, to me, she's not annoying at all. I think she's just like really, really funny and really spunky and just like a great example of just this little girl who's like got a lot of grit and wants to, you know, uh, wants to be free and wants to do her thing. I just, I love her. Mm -hmm. It makes me Um, like older Leia better knowing younger Leia. (laughs) One of my other podcasting partners, Paul, the Zen madman, the owner of the uh, video channels where you can check things out although you may not want to after I read this, uh, he recently he said in the chat, Obi-Wan bailed on watching over Leia, as in bail-id, bail Organa. So oh. uh, I promise there's not – generally I'm the one with the bad puns when we're together. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, if you love the bad puns, come, come around to the other episodes. I, I agree with so much what you're saying. I, I think for me – I don't find Leia annoying at all. I love her character. I love the actress playing her. And 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 Paul actually made a good comment we recorded on this in, on the other episode that 
you know, she's she knows this planet. She would be good at running through the planet. She'd be good at hiding and 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 knowing the secret paths and things like that. Yeah. I just thought the scene was shot badly. Sure. It, the way it was shot was not it it felt to me like a an older guy pretending to chase a young girl. But I see that, but I also to me that was just that the smugglers weren't expecting and were you also like you look at a little girl running like maybe you don't mm-hmm. put forth your full effort you know what i mean you're like oh I can, yeah. i'm gonna catch her it's fine but then like she just kept dodging and weaving and she just tries yeah. like they're gonna catch her you know in that scene there's no way she's getting away but like mm-hmm. they're she tries and they're not putting yeah. forth any more effort than they have to and i found that i found that charming and fun 100 percent. yeah to me i love the character especially because like you know, I, I can only imagine Carrie Fisher, you know, smiling from wherever she is and like kind of watching this and being like, yep, that that that's baby Princess Leia. Because mm-hmm. like Tim and there's a lot of great moments she has in the first two episodes, but especially in this third one, when Obi-Wan says all the stuff to her about, OK, now remember, you're the one who doesn't talk. Here's our cover story. And she's like, <laughs> OK, OK. And then just like starts running her mouth. Yep. And it was just so I was like. This is exactly the person who grows up to be into the garbage shoot flyboy. You know, like it's just it, to me, prequels are hard when I when I have trouble believing that that's who they are. You mm-hmm. know, I'm sure I am sure that like I think the solo movie, if it was not connected to Star Wars, I would greatly enjoy it. Lando Carlosian was fantastic. And the guy playing a young scoundrel was very good at playing a young scoundrel. Nothing about him read as Han Solo to me. This, this, and maybe that was the writing, the direction, who knows? I'm not blaming yeah. the actor. Well, you know, I also the, the distance of time and age is also a factor in that yeah. scenario. I think, like, a child, you give a lot of room to, like, oh, she, she looks enough like her. She's, like, basically yeah. the same look. It's fine. <laughs> you know, but it, that Han is it, so close in age, it's hard sometimes to, like, yeah. substitute, you know? But, like, I think with both you and McGregor and young Leia. Mm hmm. I 100% believe it. I'm seeing, right. and I think part of that's Ewan McGregor being such a good actor. I think this girl is a very good actor. I think she, uh, the writing is just so part. Like the writers got Princess Leia's voice so well. Agreed. And yeah, so I, I keep talking about her, but you know, you, you, the audience has heard from me a lot. We want to hear more from you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, that's really. I, I just haven't had a bad word to say. I think the first two episodes are really, really wonderful. I love the sort of meditative nature of. Uh, him him going to work and coming home and going to work and coming home. I love that when he finally decides to put on the lightsaber, like he's out of practice. And like, mm-hmm. I love that he like cuts his hand in that fight with the smugglers at the, or the bounty hunters in the uh, uh, second episode. Like he's just not the Obi-Wan at the height of his powers. He's this very step down Obi-Wan. And I love Reva. I think she's great. I, I love her character. Um, I really I think uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but I am almost hundred percent certain it's the little girl from the beginning uh, mm-hmm. of the, of the show. Very, likely. very, very likely um, because why else would you show that scene? Because I think that scene is that scene is unimportant unless it means something to one of those characters. And I think it probably is Reva right. who feels betrayed by the Jedi feels abandoned. And then she turned to the dark side and I'm, I'm even like, I'm torn about what she really wants. She keeps saying like she wants what she's owed and all this stuff. Um, I don't know what she wants. Like, does she want to catch Obi-Wan because she wants to kill Obi-Wan? And is Obi-Wan going to be able to convince her that like he was doing his best? And is she going to be able to bring her back to the light side? Like I, 
I, I think there's a lot of possibilities with those two characters. Well, especially because I think one thing the show has done a very good job of is leaving unclear, does she have a personal vendetta against Obi-Wan or does she have a fanatical loyalty to Anakin and thus she's kind of taken up, like, it's the, like, I will do anything to please my master to make him see that I am the the best the best inquisitor that could ever inquisit and thus want to reward. And as well as just, you know, so much of the Sith is about, like, revenge and, and ambition and power. Right. I imagine that kind of thing, it could be like, oh, who hurt my, you know, the, the person who's my lord, who hurt them? Then I am, you know, I am sworn to you. If they hurt you, they hurt me. Or it could be, it could be about her personal. You know, it could be any of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And I, I do think there's something specific about Obi Wan. I think they're going to. I think she, he's going to be a character that he, she has looked up to, or she looked up to her throughout her childhood, and then feels that he didn't stay to protect her. You know, like he disappeared on her when she needed him. Um, that's what I think. Uh, but but also like, I, I'm wondering about the Sith thing because also she doesn't seem as force powerful as many of the other characters. Like the Inquisitors, the other Inquisitors mm-hmm. seem more powerful. They even call her the least of them. Um, right. Even though she's very ambitious, she may not be as powerful in the Force. And I'm wondering if that's either just natural proclivities to the Force or if her train... How much do they train the Sith? Because uh, she's not technically a Sith, right? Because there can only be right. two. So she's a dark side Force user who's working for Vader. But Vader and Palpatine are the only two Sith. Right? right? That's how that works. And, but part of the idea is, and, and this is something that we've explored in other parts of the canon, but but here I like it that like kind of, there's some things that like you may, you may not have known that knowing can help you, but it's like not knowing them doesn't ruin it for you. You know, the, one of the key ideas of the Sith is that they're all ambitious. They're all power hungry. Like their code is about, you know, ha- never letting yourself be enslaved to someone else. Mm. Always wanting the power, always craving the power to the point where, in that, that's part of why there should only be two, so that we stop the idea. Because part of the idea was that, like, you don't want five to gang up and kill the one, because then you have five weaker ones instead of one super powerful one. Ah, but that eventually that. every apprentice is supposed to kill their own master. And so part of the idea would be Vader's always looking for who can be his number one apprentice so that he can then eventually take over from the Emperor. Which, if you remember in Empire Strikes Back, that's exactly what Vader's want. That's why, like, the Emperor wants Vader to recruit Luke, but Vader wants to recruit Luke for himself so he can go after the Emperor. Mm. And I I think you're right. I think she's probably the least powerful. I think they probably, and I think this could be, you know, I think something clear, especially the fact that we know that she was in the temple during Order 66 and that Anakin was in the temple and that Anakin was killing younglings, I think that he found her. And that's why she has so much, and that maybe he spared her life. And maybe because mm. she wasn't powerful yet, or maybe he just said, like, maybe she, God, what if she turned, what if she was like, the way to live is to like help this guy kill some of these other younglings. Yeah, that would take a little weight from, I, I forget even where she had this conversation, but sometime in this, uh, these two episodes, she had a conversation where she talked about how after the fall of the Jedi, they, she was like living on the street and like, uh, oh, that is true. And that is and true. wasn't able. I think she. I think she probably ran from Order sixty six, and then ended up eventually falling to the dark side to just be able to survive because she was like, uh, being hunted and living, you know, living on the streets and stuff, mm-hmm. as a little little kid. Right. And we know that Kenobi was the one who sent out this message saying, like, look, the Jedi are over. They're done. Don't come back. 
don't try to come back to the temple, you know, don't try to be Jedi anymore. So I can see that maybe that's why she feels betrayed by him. Mm, yeah, absolutely. See, I didn't, I don't know that message. I don't know. What, is that in uh, episode three? Some of it's in episode three and some of it's in Rebels. Okay. Haven't gotten to Rebels. Uh, cool. Yeah, man. I, I I just think it's great. I have I don't have a negative word to say. I guess the only thing, the third episode, I love and I love seeing Vader. Love James Earl Jones' voice combined with the physicality of of um, mm-hmm. Hayden Christensen. I'm guessing is under the suit. I don't know. Like maybe yeah. that's a stunt man for some of that work. I don't know. But those physicalities are and and the voice are working great together to really elicit Vader in a way that hasn't been done since the original trilogy, except for maybe Rogue One, that final scene. Um, but yeah. him just torturing regular people it's really hard to understand how anakin got there and like it's shocking because we that's more brutal than i've ever seen vader be i mean he destroys a planet so granted he's he's but like personally he destroys the planet for a purpose because he's trying to like root out the rebels right who he doesn't stop it but it's grand morph tarkin who decides to destroy the planet okay okay so I just I I've never seen him personally do something out of pure sadistic reasons, and I mean I've read any of the books or anything, so like it's mostly he does things in battle or to other soldiers or to at least you know officers in his employ that aren't listening to him, stuff like that. Like, but this was just like people on the street just hanging out, and he just seems to be dragging them into the street and punishing them and snaps that one kid's neck with a force and drags that one lady face down. Like it's all just terrible, terrible stuff. And it's just seems just sadistic fun to him. Maybe he's doing it to draw Obi-Wan out, I guess. Yeah. See, I, I think it is not sadistic fun. I think it's very much for a purpose. And I think it's the sort of thing where he's like, I don't want to just go around like killing kids to kill kids, but if killing kids will advance my goal, hell yeah. And I think, especially because we see those shots of Obi-Wan's face and you see how Mm -hmm. guilty he feels. And especially the fact that Vader says, you should have killed me. I think what he's basically saying is, look, because you left me alive, I'm killing all these people. That's on you. You have to kill me if you want me to stop. Every moment you're not trying to kill me, all the people I kill are on your conscience. Mm. And and he's, he's goading Obi-Wan into a fight and it went, it's, he succeeds. Yeah. It's a very Joker aesthetic there of like, you know, I want you to be the madman who wants to kill me, not the stoic superhero. Um, yeah, man, I, I, that is possible. I do think that is that is part of the reason he's doing all that killing out there. But it also mm-hmm. just seen I've just never seen him do something just so utterly sadistic. Um, yeah. And and so you know, and, and having just watched Clone Wars, it's really hard to understand Anakin mm-hmm. getting there. Uh, right. But uh, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping we really get and. Tell me, I know that there were a lot of speculation that they would not meet in the show, because what does older Obi-Wan say that makes that seem not likely? So uh, check out the Star Wars Universe podcast uh, episode about uh, season, episode three, because I went into a long thing about this. And both my hosts totally just dis- co-hosts totally disagreed with me. But um, <laughs> what he says is the circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the student. Now I am the master. Um, and so at first I was like, they shouldn't meet. And then some people pointed out, like, they could meet. We don't know that what he, when he says, when I left you, they mean the last time ago. I saw you. And here's the thing, though. As a number of folks pointed out, um, there's already a number of things. Like, the prequels, so much of the prequels kind of retcons the original movies in this idea of, like, in the original movies, the Jedi are this ancient religion. Literally, that's a phrase that's used. Right, yeah. 
when actually like the Imperial officers who were teasing Vader about this ancient religion all would have served with Jedi in the Clone Wars <laughs> 20 years ago. So th- there's definitely a lot of that. I, I, I didn't love this scene for that reason because I do think I do think it's important for In a New Hope that this is the first time where Vader has felt that he is more powerful than Obi-Wan. Yeah. And for me, that's a very important scene. And so I don't love the way they did it in this, but that's just me. A lot of people see it differently. And I think that's completely okay. Like I'm never going to yeah. be the person being like, you ruined my childhood. You sure. Ruined- yeah. They didn't take All away with those movies. Nonsense. But I do but think, yeah, but- I do think there is enough room in that line. When I left you could mean right. when I was last as your pupil, like when I left your yeah. side, I was your student but now I'm clearly the master. It could even, you know, you could even throw an extra line in there. I am now clearly the master. You know how I bested you back on that planet one time. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that could, th- th- there's enough room in that. I also want to say about the um, ancient religion line. I never really thought of this, mm-hmm. but he, he that's a, the officer says that to him in uh, one of the movies. A new hope. Yeah. The first he one. says your ancient religion, your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not allowed you to conjure up the stolen data tapes. God, why have I memorized that? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. That's, that, that was sad. No, I'm just kidding. That's great. Um, I, <laughs> I gotta say though, like I, I've always heard that line and I, we've joked about it many times in our recordings about how there's 20 years and why wouldn't they know about the ancient religion? It's to, but what if he means the Sith? What if he just no, means because- the Sith? Because he's specifically talking about the what he says right before that is uh, that the power of this Death Star is insignificant next to the power of the Force. So he's specifically refer- – I, I think it's pretty clear. Well, here's the sure. thing. I think, I think that there's a difference between what is implied in these scenes and what the literal meaning of the wording is. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I think, yes, it is possible to – tell all kind of prequel stories that take the literal meaning and it's a pretty big change from what it's been understood as for all this time. I just don't like when writers do that. It's like, why, why, why not just a lot? Why to me, it just feels it's why I just in general don't like prequels. And like, Mm -hmm. again, I don't want to get, I generally agree with that. I generally agree with that, but I will say like, he just talked about the power of the force and like, I'm not saying the Jedi never talk about the power of the force, but the Sith are the one that believe in like maximizing the power of the force. The Jedi are more about like using it to guide your actions and stuff and like using it to like if you're if you're talking about like I want the power to blow up planets, maybe a Sith right. would believe that a Jedi probably wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like so I'm just saying like he, his devotion to his ancient religion could mean you're you're a Sith. There's only been ever two of them that we've seen. So like, you know what I mean? I think you could twist the words to mean that for sure. Yeah, I just yeah. don't think that's the. But, oh, I, but again, I agree. it's like it. It's. I it, like to head cannon, what, man. I like to. It. I get it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, but so, and I think that's because here's here's the thing. One thing that I have been feeling a lot lately, uh, and I've talked about this with people on the Star Wars podcast. We talked about this somewhat on the um, Superhero Ethics cad- podcast. We were talking about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Is it's a very weird feeling when you kind of feel mildly about something, but then you see the people who feel very strongly as though they agree with you and are just utterly terrible, you know? And, like, I have friends who, they don't love Reva's performance, which I think is completely legitimate. Right. But then they're like, oh, but wait a minute. Like, all these other people don't like it for very racist reasons. That's sure. stupid, you know? Like, and, and I think, yeah, to me, that's kind of where I feel with this. Like, 
Was it my favorite moment? No. Do I think the show would have been better if it hadn't done that? Yes. Do I do I wish that there was more of a fidelity to the implication of those things instead of the original wording? Yeah, I would prefer that. But when I see these people who are just like, oh, they're ruining my childhood. It's terrible. No, it's none of those things. It's yeah. It, to me, that doesn't subtract from my enjoyment of the show. It's still a good show. It's just not my favorite thing they've done. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right, cool, man. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I know we just wanted to yeah. do a short one. Um, my pleasure. I'm so glad to be on it. Absolutely. Um, let me see if there's any other quick uh, questions or comments that I wanted to get into. Um, oh, yeah. I do want to ask you, as a musician, um, did it change your view of that? It's one thing to watch a grown man chase a young girl through the woods. But how did you feel about a bass player from uh, a band from our childhood? <laughs> I loved it. He's been, yeah. He's now been in tons of movies, you know. Way, oh, way, okay. way back, way back. I want to say, wasn't he in Back to the Future? Or am I thinking of someone else? Um, I think of the Chili Peppers as a 90s band. Uh, Well, those movies made it into the 90s. Oh, um, okay. You don't mean the originals, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, um, maybe not. The first one was, I think, 87? 80, yeah, 89. He, uh, it's 89. So, Michael, yeah. Peter Bo- Michael Peter Bozzari played the part of Needles in Back to the Future Part 2 mm-hmm. and reprised the role at the close of Back to the Future. So forgive me, I may have just spoiled something from Back to the Future Part <laughs> um, Yeah, so he's been in that. He's He was in Baby Driver, Big Lebowski, Fear and Loathing. Just looking at uh, his, he's, he's been in a lot of movies. And it's just, he's got such a signature face that I'm used to seeing him show up. And he loves to show up in these sort of sci-fi arenas. So it's a lot of fun. Nice. It was a lot of fun to see him catch him in there. Um yeah. We have a, ch- a question in the chat. DQ bet 91 says, uh, could she be a double agent talking about Reva? I think that is absolutely possible. I think that is totally possible that we get to the end of this. She's been see- wanting to be the one to find Obi-Wan. She fights so hard to be the one to find him. And then she could be, she could find him and then help him escape or help him r- reach out to the rebels or like join the path or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's possible. I think I'd be disappointed by that because I think it is having a woman, let alone a woman of color, be, you know, an intimidating, scary villain. And not, not to mention being like an attractive, you know, villain in that way. Like people like villains. Sure. I, yeah. I think it would kind of undercut the character somewhat. You know, I think that that it's possible, I think. And it's possible also that she gets turned to the dark side, but. Or to the light. Yeah. To the light. I mean, I think I'm trying to remember. Did we see her actually kill anybody in some of those earlier scenes in episode one or two? Not that I remember. I don't remember her actually. Well, honestly, even if she does, that could be part of her cover and she might just be really deep cover working with these guys. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I think there's I I thought I definitely thought of that while watching the show that that might be the case. Right. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think Darth Vader at this point is very good at kind of reading people's minds and reading their emotions. So Mm. it would be you'd have to make me believe that she she could fool him. But that could be a rather interesting story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And that, yeah. So anyway, lots more to talk about. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on this. Um, Absolutely. Matt, where can, I think you do a podcast or two every now and then, right? I do way too many podcasts these days. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I mostly, my biggest show is the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, so check, check us out if you haven't, but if you, uh, if you really look for stuff, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we just started covering the boys and the Orville over on, um, Pandavision, our podcast Pandavision, and our other podcast Bingers Assemble, where we rewatch movies so you don't have to. We're rewatching Jurassic Park. So uh, come join us on all those shows. 
Check it out. Check them out. Nice. StrandedPanda.com. Yeah, StrandedPanda.com. You'll find so much good stuff there. And, of course, you can find this podcast and all the others that I do on TheEthicalPanda.com. All our Kenobi coverage. All our co- We did a whole bunch of episodes about Moon Knight. We're going to start doing stuff about some other great stuff coming out. And at TheEthicalPanda.com, you'll find all the ways to give us feedback. Emails, tweets. We're going to start doing a feedback episode about Kenobi because we are getting a good deal of feedback, which is great. And uh, if you want to be able to check out what my tie and makeup is going to be each week, we are also now <laughs> doing video uh, streams of these uh, podcasts. If you go to twitch.com and search for Zen, uh, let me actually say it again. If you go to youtube.com and look for the Zen Madman channel, the, the link to it will be in the show notes. Uh, all those are up there. Also, on the Zed Man Man channel, you'll find a lot of great videos. Paul is going this great thing where he's playing poker while re-watching old, while re-listening to older podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Uh, he gets to, you know, make fun of all the things that I said five years ago because he thinks I can't respond. But I'm listening and I'm responding. So in the YouTube comments, you can see me firing back. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. And um, we're really trying to build that channel to help support the all the podcasting we're doing. So if you can... Even if you're not going to watch, if you don't mind, just take five seconds, click like, click subscribe. It'll really help us grow those channels and uh, keep all the ethical panda panning. So, so in a couple of years, you need to listen back to his live streams and then comment on what he's saying in those that's live streams. That's the move. Yeah. The move is I've got to become a better poker player than Paul <laughs> so I can then do that and comment on the poker. And I've only been yeah. trying to do that for 25 years. So I'm sure that now – is the time when I'm really going to hit my You just like so, insult it, insult the whole thing by like playing like connect four or something, you know, like, oh, I like it. just uh, really, oh, really play it. something like really simplistic and be like, look, I'm Paul and like, be play, you know, <laughs> the high level strategy, the high level strategy. Indeed. I love it. All right. You heard it here first folks connect far, uh, listening to Paul's uh, things will definitely be a thing. Anyway, Matt, thank you so much for being part of it to all our fans. Thank you for being awesome fans. And most importantly, have a great day. 